and welcome to Reliving My Youth, the show where we look back at pop culture from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. My name is Noel Fogelman. One of the biggest shows in the 1980s was Dynasty, the story of the Denver Carringtons. My guest today is Gordon Thompson, who played Adam Carrington, the character you love to hate. He played that role to perfection. We talk about how he got the role, some of the craziest storylines on the show, and his thoughts on the CW reboot. Gordon went from primetime to daytime soaps with his long-standing role on Santa Barbara. We talk about the differences between daytime and primetime soaps. For your Muppet fans out there, Gordon played Sir Robin the Brave in The Frog Prince. We chat about that, among other topics as well. Since I started doing this podcast last year, Gordon was probably one of my favorite guests. This conversation took place in December. He was very outspoken. He told it like it is. And Gordon, an absolute sweetheart. So here's my conversation with Gordon. And helping me relive my youth today is Gordon Thompson. Gordon, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Okay, before we get to, you know, Dynasty and all your, you know, evil roles, so to speak, I want to go way, way back. I'm a big <laughs> Muppets fan, and one of the... Be- oh, 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 let me tell you, I'm jumping ahead of you. It's funny, I met a man called Bill Beretta yesterday when I went to see Donna Mills in Driving Miss Daisy, and Bill is somebody I just met, and he is the Muppet King these days. Right. He, well, and we talked about the Frog Prince. Yes. When I was 26 years old in Toronto in 1971, I played Sir Robin the Brave, the Frog Prince, before and after he was a frog. And I, it was one of the nicest jobs I've ever had in my life with Bill, with Jim Henson and his extraordinary crew, almost all of which, of course, now are, are, are no longer with us. Yeah. But Henson was there being Kermit. At the end of the show, there's a scene on the balcony with Princess Melora, whom I've married, and there is Kermit. And the the balcony is Jim Henson being, handling Kermit, being the voice. And I'm stroking Kermit, my new friend, as as when I was a frog. And he's still there as my friend, and I'm back to being the prince. It was an extraordinary, truly magical experience for me. And talking to Bill Beretta um, yesterday, I was very pleased to hear that the sense on the set of The Frog Prince in Toronto, 40, what, six years ago, um, is how the set is today on any Muppet production. There are the crew members, the artists involved, everybody attached to a Muppet production. Of course, it can get tedious at times, but basically the goodwill and the sweetness on the set is absolutely pervasive as it was then. I was so glad to hear it. I wasn't surprised to hear it, but I was very, very glad to hear it. Yeah, it, it was great, and you know, you, you named your uh, your your baby Kermit after Kermit the Frog. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <Yeah. laughs> they call me Sir Robin the Brave, and history one day will rave. I'm valiant and daring, and noble and caring, courageous and gallant, a mountain of talent. No wonder folks curtsy and wave. I'm Robin, Sir Robin the Brave. So I'm assuming you probably sing that in the shower too, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I've driven people nuts with it, yes, because I love the song. Yes. That, 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 yeah, that's great. So, 
What happened after that? You played such a nice guy, and then you ended up playing pricks the rest of your life. <laughs> that's not true. That's no, not no, true. I, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. No. No, you're not. No, people keep thinking. I'm, I've read little bios of myself in theater programs and things, and he's made a specialty of playing evil. No, he hasn't. Yeah. I've never, I mean, the only really deeply immoral prick I've ever played, really, was Adam Carrington. No, the, the best part I ever had in front of a camera was Mason Copwell and Santa Barbara. That's right. For seven years. And that, Mason was, it, it, he wasn't remotely evil. He was extremely intelligent. He was a lawyer and then a judge. He was passionate about his wife. Um, he was a womanizer before that happened. He was, he was mostly passionate, energetic, funny, and smart. Not an ounce of anything sort of particularly dark and menacing. Adam, on the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> no, he raped the butler's daughter. Yeah. He tried to poison Jeff with, with the lead. The paint, paint. yeah. Oh, yeah, just terrific. Yeah, now, I watched, I was, when it first started, I was about seven or eight years old, so I, I'd watch it with my mom. You know, she didn't care, you know. <laughs> I, it, it was fine. So, you know, when I was that young, I was a Jeff fan. You know, he was, the, you know, the wholesome, the good guy, kind of like, you know, quote-unquote, like the Kennedy type, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, as I watched it when I was a teenager, I enjoyed Adam more. Well, because you grow up and you realize exactly Vince is a bore. Right. And also, as an actor, I had the best part for a guy on Dynasty, without question. John Forsythe was—he was a wonderful head of the cast and of the show itself. Um, but John was very protective of the relationship that Blake and Crystal had, for instance, and he, when Rock Hudson and Ally McGraw were brought in to be love interests, John, who was joined at the hip with Aaron Spelling, they went back decades, very close they were, and he just refused to allow this magic union, he felt, between Blake and Crystal to be tampered with in any way by outside dalliances. So Linda... <laughs> didn't get a chance and he didn't get a chance i mean when ali arrived to do to, to go to work apparently there was a huge bouquet of flowers in her dressing room from john and with the note saying this sorry this is not going to be happening or something like that right. but she, she was hired for 10 episodes to do nothing basically and uh which was but that kind of goodness is really to my way of thinking cloying and jj john james who played jeff um, I read recently that he would, would rather have played Adam. I would too. Jeff was a prince. Well, and, and public, when you want, we won't for, go for public appearances, for instance. Right. When JJ would show up, if he frowned once, they would say, what's his problem? Exactly. <laughs> well, I arrived and they'd be thinking, oh my God, what's he going to be? Well, I would smile and they would sort of, whew, because... <laughs> Oh, he's not a monster. Because you do carry, when you're in a show with that enormous kind of following and attention, you do carry your character with you because at least you look alike. And people sort of associate what they see with what they see on television. And, um, and, and J.J. had to be the prince. And when he wasn't, what's his problem? When I, I, I expect it to be this monstrous shit, and I clearly wasn't a monstrous shit. <laughs> <laughs> and my, I, I could do almost anything I wanted. 
yeah, the beauty of it, you have a bad day, you go to a personal appearance, you can, you can act like, you know, the, the shit, and it's fine. Yes, except that I must say that I've, I've, the public is, mm, I'm, I'm Canadian, I was not raised here, I only got here when I was, I was 37, when I moved to L.A. to, to work on Dynasty. Um, so the, 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 the idea of celebrity is a very foreign concept in Canada. At least it used to be. I suspect it still is. Um, so I was brought up to be polite, generally speaking, and there was no sense of entitlement attached to my job because there was no celebrity um, culture. Stardom was an absolutely, still is an un unknown concept in Canada. There are no stars. There's no star system. Um, and I uh, found myself down here, this sort of quasi-star-ish person because of this one show. Um, but I also brought my upbringing with me. So I've, I don't, I think I can say this, I hope I can say this fairly securely. I've never been rude in public, ever, because it, people deserve your best behavior. Yeah, then that's great to hear because, like, there are you know fans when you can meet a certain you know meet a certain celebrity, that would be the only time you meet that person, and that two minutes of that with that person leaves a lasting impression. Yes, exactly, exactly. Which is can I just bring this up a little bit? Um, on December of sorry September, just September. Pick me. September <laughs> of this year, I did a, an interview with the Daily Beast. And um, I'm gay, and he, the interview knew I was gay, and all he wanted to do was talk about how hot Adam was in a towel or working out in the gym, and that became the, 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 the meat of the interview, pardon the expression. Um, and I have done the interview to publicize the release of the DVDs of the original Dynasty, um, which I think happened in the middle of October, yes. I think. Um, anyway, I, I was sort of very sort of taken aback, um, but I bring this up simply because the response from from what I've heard, because I don't have any social media contact, I don't know Facebook, there's no Twitter, there's no LinkedIn, none of that, I don't do it, um, but I have friends and family members who do, and they monitored for me because they were concerned when this happened right because it was completely um unheralded and unplanned for and i was not my doing um and the response has been extraordinarily positive and i think because of how i have always behaved but somebody told me that somebody quoted someone i'd met in union station in toronto and the man said yeah i met him in, in union station he was so nice and that was the response. Right. <laughs> of a just a member of the public, whom I maybe I bought a ticket from, or whatever it was, and it, I've kept my nose clean that way. And you compare that, for instance, with the response to Kevin Spacey, um, who I think is a wonderful actor, right, but agreed. clearly has enormous problems with his sexuality and with the, the partners he prefers. And people fundamentally, and I don't know the man at all. I've only admired his work, right. and I've heard snippets, just bits and pieces, but no connection whatsoever. But he's not like
Yeah. He's not behaved like a gentleman. Which no. is very, that, that is, that's rule number one. Really, if you are lucky enough to have any success as an actor, because the employment rate is low enough, the success rate is about maybe 1%. That's it. So if you're a member of, pardon me, the fucking lucky club of somebody who has made a decent living as an actor, as I had for about 12, 15 years, um, I, then you behave yourself. You don't. There's no sense of entitlement. And as you develop one, you should go right away to the shrink and make sure that that little bubble is punctured. It's dreadful behavior. And behaving badly is something I'm afraid some people do because they are entitled, they've been spoiled, whatever it is. And Mr. Space is a good example. He wouldn't be facing such a problem if he had behaved himself. Yeah, and it's it's such a shame because, like you mentioned, he's a brilliant actor. Now, can you, like, kind of separate the actor from the person and still watch his work? I haven't because I don't watch. The, the only House of Cards I see is the original one, which right. is the British series, okay. which is actually brilliant. Yeah, it was and, really good. Oh, superb. Um, I... He's not Ian Richardson, and she's not Diane Fletcher. That's all I will say about House of Cards. Um, but I've, I've, last thing I saw, I think I saw, was something, I think, American Beauty. Okay. Which is just yeah. wonderful in. Right. And because I rented the movie and had a look, and this, and it's marvelous. But no, I'm, I, I haven't, I saw the Tony Awards, and I hope he enjoyed it, because he ain't going to be working a lot any, ever, ever again. His career, I suspect, is absolutely shot. Yeah, well, well, they just announced that they written him out of House of Cards, so he's not going to be in the you know in the final season. So yep, yep. I hope that they make Robin Wright the president. I think that would be very smart. Yeah, well, that's I mean, like you see, you can watch it. So they the last season, uh, she f- became the acting president. Oh really? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. So it's it's actually it worked out the spot where the the last season ended. So they can kind of write him out of the show. So it worked out that she can continue as the lead of the show without him okay. being in it. So she's but, a widower now, I assume. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's um like L.A. Confidential is one of my all-time favorite movies, and and he was in that as well. And I'm yeah. not sure if I can you know sit down and watch that now. It'll take a while. Yeah. D- definitely. Because that kind of it's it's pedophilia, which is one of the worst things. Yeah. Crimes. Ever. On books, I think. Um, it's right up there to rape, next to rape. Um, it's worse than murder because the victim survives. Um, it's, it's, it's just, well, shut up, Gordon. Right. We all know what it is. No, I just, this is not what you want to talk about. Oh, no, it's, 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 it's <laughs> totally fine. It's an open forum. But yeah, no, I, I, you're absolutely right with that. But with, with Adam, uh, how how did you get that role? And I know like you were a little bit older than what Adam was supposed to uh, be on on, on on the page. So you know those good genes that wore to your advantage. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to laugh about that because that um, I was a, enormously I was too old for the part. Um, I don't quite know how I got the part. Uh, I think because I did a soap opera in New York called Ryan's Hope. Right. And I for I think. 
it was I think it was NBC. I'm not sure. You'd have to look that up. I don't remember. Um, I think I that was ABC. Was Ryan's Hope. Pardon? I think Ryan's Hope was ABC. It was because then it was that's probably how ABC, the talent development program that ABC had in those days, and I'm very sorry to say that does no, no longer exist. Um, but they. At the same time, I think John James was a part of it, and for some reason, I was put on that list of the program as well. Um, I was brought out to meet the casting director for ABC, and I was offered a screen test for the role of Adam in Dynasty, um, which was only two years old at the time. And uh, I was fine. And I had read the script, and I thought, boy, these are very clever writers. That's how stupid I was. Because <laughs> um, it was, the, the scene was actually, it was a scene with, with Joan as Alexis, uh, Joan Collins. And um, it was full of traps for really bad acting. Right. If you didn't know what you were doing, and you had no experience, if you were a newbie, you would have given the worst performance ever because you needed to have your chops ready. And I'd been acting at the time for 17 years. I was 37, and when I approached the soundstage to do my test, Joan emerged. She was doing a movie of the week for Aaron called The Wild Women of Chastity Gulch. She was playing a turn-of-the-century madam with, you know, the tits up and the eyeshadow looking so beautiful, right. very glamorous. And there she was. Hello, Miss Collins. I'm Gordon Thompson. She said, oh, yes, you had to test with the part of my son. It's ridiculous, darling. You're much too old. <laughs> and it took me about five years to understand what a really dreadful thing that was to say to an actor, because it obviously changed my life. Well, she was right. But I was 37, and I looked 24, and... I, we did the test, and it was clear she, at the time, wasn't as powerful as she became. I suspect, had it happened during the last two or three years of the, of the show's run, she might have been able to put the kibosh on hiring me. Um, but when we did the scene, she realized I knew what I was doing, that then so she could relax and enjoy acting with me, uh, which she did, by the way, and I did too. But they were very specific in the first script i got they described him as being a blah 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 of 24. Right. so on page i was 24 and she and actually she wound up having four kids on the show all of whom could vote so <laughs> she so she all had she had kids in their 20s and joan was i think 49 or so when i joined the show yeah She's now 84. Wow. And she looks terrific. Yeah, absolutely. And she was a treat and a half to work with. People, I mean, yes, she was, she's nobody's fool. Joan was a, she's a trained actress. She went to RADA um, in London, and, but she was so beautiful, there was almost no room for her in Great Britain. She came to this country and to Hollywood and um, worked a lot. But it was very difficult for her. We talked about this once. Um, she said, you know, when they wanted an English brunette, there was Elizabeth. They wanted a great big star. And then they wanted a great actress. There was Claire Bloom. And then there was me. She was always three or four on the list. 
and Elizabeth and she actually were friends. Okay. Uh, and which was very nice to hear. But she was always in her shadow. So when, and she'd always wanted to be a huge movie star, because that's what she wanted. And um, with Alexis, she recognized, and I think Sophia Lawrence said no, and I believe Raquel Welch and or Faye Dunaway hmm. said no. You'd have to, uh, somebody must know these things. Right. I only heard that they'd been offered and they said no. Well, and it came to Joan, and she said, mm-hmm, because it's a wonderful part. Alexis really, truly is such a great part. And it was perfect for Joan, and she became the star she'd always longed to be. She was the biggest star in the world for a long time because of Dynasty. Now, was she Alexis off-camera, too? Not for me, she was not. Okay. She, we, she was the only sort of sticky personality, I guess you'd say. Um, she's always totally professional. Um, John didn't care for her, okay. Forsyth, I mean, right. um, because Joan usurped his leading position in terms of press. Okay. Because she was, I mean, she when she did her Playboy layout when she was 50, he was outraged. He just <laughs> marched up to Aaron's office, how did you see what she's done, sort of thing. I mean, it was silly, really. Yeah. I thought, bloody good for you, Joan. You look wonderful. And clearly, you're not remotely shy right. about this. Stuff. Go right ahead. No, she was sensational in, that, in terms of that. And I've already met young women in their early 30s, mid 30s, who were named after Alexis. Yeah, and you know that photo shoot can only help the show as well. Exactly, exactly. But John was, you know, a little. I think probably a bit prim. I'm not sure. Right. Hmm. And. He wasn't the first choice to play Blake, right? It was George Rappard? I believe so, yes. Wow, that that would have been interesting. <laughs> I think so, too. But I'm not sure. They're both very good actors. Yeah. John, I think they both had Broadway experience, for instance. Um, never particularly massive stars, but certainly respected starry roles, certainly. Hitchcock. And wasn't Papard? God, was it? Um, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and yeah, and uh, John had the Aaron Spelling connection with uh, Charlie's Angels. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And well, Bachelor Father. Right. And God knows what. Yeah. Yeah. One of the funniest things about the show was the opening credits, and mainly when they recasted, say, they recasted Stephen when they went from Al to you know Jack and then Fallon to you know Pamela Sue and to Emma Sams, yeah. they didn't change what they did in the opening credits, which I always thought was hysterical. You know, uh, they, had, they had Steven, you know, tear off the bow tie and then, you know, Fallon turn around and went, you know, from the mirror. It was just kind of funny how they just kept the same pose when they, when they changed the actor. They, they had to, you know, reshoot it. Might as well do a different, you know, different take on it. <laughs> I agree with you. And I, 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 that has never occurred to me. But of course, you're right. Because, for instance, especially Pamela Sue and Emma could not have been more dissimilar. Right. Really. Yeah. You know, I mean, Pamela Sue had a unique quality. Um, Emma's quality isn't quite as, I don't think, as special. Emma is actually, she's become a big G, great beauty. She is so beautiful. I saw her three, three years ago, I think, two and a half, three years ago, for right. some something here in L.A. My God, she is just breathtaking to look at. And Pamela Sue was never sort of, wow, gorgeous. She was very attractive. She had a really brattish sort of rude quality. 
Cassie. Yeah. And Emma was infinitely more English and polite in terms of, of, of presentation. But Pamela Sue, I don't know, she just didn't want to do it anymore. She'd had it up to, you know, up to here with just, I think, acting for a while. And she just wanted to get out. And I think um, they, with Emma, she had, she brought a huge fan base from General Hospital. Yes. But she was not remotely, in my opinion, ideally suited to the part at all. No, no, she definitely wasn't. And I remember, you know, being, of course, a teenage boy, she was in like a swimsuit issue of some sports magazine on the cover. So I had yes. that when I was younger. <laughs> of course you did. Yeah, of course. Well, she was you gorgeous. Know. She was yeah. gorgeous. And just, pardon the word, stacked. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That, that, that was hidden away somewhere in my room for years. <laughs> <laughs> Heather must have been up there too, don't you think? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. And she was fabulous on pretty much whatever she, you know, did whether it was Melrose Place, you know, Dynasty, you know, any any role she was in, she was fabulous. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Aaron did know how to cast his ladies, especially. He's um, he he was, I thought, a really wonderful producer. Yes, Man, immensely and, successful, obviously. Yeah, and and he he casted you for a, on Beverly Hills for an episode, right, or two. Did I? I don't remember. Right. <laughs> You're trying to block I'm that so, out. <laughs> so, I'm so old now. I'm so old now that I, I, the mind is beginning to sort of fade a bit. Certain areas of my life I truly do not remember. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I remember you being, I think, one or two episodes, like mid-90s on, on the show. But you played a doctor, I think. That made sense. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, we were all farmed out. We all had to do the love boat. And of course. And I just... I. The idea just, I wasn't keen on doing it, but we all sort of contractually had to. And when I was finally approached about doing it, um, the boat was in port. Okay. So I didn't have to go sailing. Because what they used to do was they would get a whole bunch of actors, they had scripts already written, and they would get scenes from a number of episodes, call the actors out with the film crew, and go off to sea in this carnival cruise type <laughs> arrangement and i'm sorry the only way away from everybody because i don't care for crowds and i didn't care for some of the executives in charge the only way away from these people was overboard <laughs> which was not appealing so i was very glad that when i did my episode of the love boat yeah. i was in port hmm. i didn't have to go sailing right exactly yeah. Did they, speaking of like, you know, doing like an episode like that, did you ever do a Battle of the Network Stars? I don't remember. I probably did. Okay. I, I did a celebrity family feud with Betty White. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, no, she was, it's, you know, she, it's, she, maybe she still does. At the time, she was this demure looking woman with the dirtiest, foulest mouth I'd ever come across, and she was hysterically funny. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Just wonderful. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I love the Golden Girls. She, she's fabulous, and Mary Tyler Moore and everything she's done, which is great. Yes, I agree. Yeah, so going back to Dynasty, let's try to you know uh, your joggy memory a little bit. Um, you had so many fights on your sh- on the show. You got your ass kicked a lot. <laughs> what was your favorite one? My actually, do you mean if I've the scene I ever played? Yeah, like favorite, like you know, fight. You know, whether it was you know, with John James or Michael Nader or even like John. You know, there was this you know, memorable scene with you fighting with him on the stairs. <laughs> I don't know. You see, those the only moment I remember 
with 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 JJ, I think, was during the Colbys, when Charlton Heston <laughs> was also on was working that day, and he was behind the set, and the scene that preceded his scene was a very was a very verbal scene between John James and myself, Adam and Jeff, who hated each other, and right. they were very loud about it. And we finished the scene, and I exited it. And Chuckles, uh, that's, his nickname was Chuck, and I called him Chuckles, because <laughs> a more pompous individual I've never met in right. my life, really. Uh, he said, yeah, when in doubt, we all shout, don't we? <laughs> I thought, you stupid, stupid person. Did you read the script, you twit? <laughs> I thought, sweetheart, you know, you're an asshole, is what I felt. I thought, you really pompous, humorless jerk. Sorry, and if anybody's a huge fan of Charlton's, go watch Ben-Hur and leave everything else on the cutting room floor. Yeah. <laughs> it, he and his jaw won the Academy Award. Just appalling, appalling individual. So that is the only scene I remember with J.J. fight. The scene I loved most was my very first scene on the show. With, with a superb character actress, I think she died two or three years after we did the scene, um, called Lorene Tuttle. Okay. She played my grandmother, right. the one who, show, who told showed you the rattle. <laughs> yeah, he got my rattle and said, look in the mirror, Adam, Michael, yeah. and say, repeat after me, my name is Adam Alexander Carrington. And I thought, hmm. And she was sublime. She, when I, I walked on the set, I recognized her. I thought, oh, my God, they're really doing a number on this, aren't they? Because yeah. <laughs> who know what, I knew what to expect. And I, I found out afterwards, apparently, I was only supposed to last six episodes. And it land, wound up being seven years, which was an enormous compliment. I was, you know, very, very chuffed by that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we would have been, dep you know, deprived of, you know, your work on that show if it was just <laughs> six episodes. <laughs> I mean, I'd thank that's a nice, very nice thing to say. And I would have been deprived of eight years, seven years of really enjoying myself as an actor. Right. Now, there were, uh, obviously the show had some outlandish storylines. Uh, <laughs> what, yeah. was, what was the one that just, like, made you roll, roll your eyes the most? Was it Found getting kidnapped by aliens, the Moldavia yeah. thing? Right. Or? Yeah, no, that... I'll tell you, I, I've already... I have discussed this, so if anybody... I has already heard this noise before I'm going to say it again because um, I had a friend who was actually on the production staff who attended this particular writers meeting and Esther and Richard um, were head writers and Esther would, chaired the meeting and her first words were the first person who laughs is fired <laughs> but Richard has had a vision Aliens. Oh boy. <laughs> exactly. Well, you see, the and it was an it was the stupidest thing. It was one of those sort of nails in the coffin, if you like. Right. It was asinine. They, they, it was badly, very cheaply, badly done. Because in those days, people were sort of getting used to pretty kind of high tech, you know, stuff. And you had these sort of asinine robot, cheap looking pieces of Meccano crap. And the person who suffered the most was Emma, because the public thought that the, the actors put, I don't know, people don't realize occasionally, or they didn't, too much, that this stuff is scripted. 
We don't make it up. We learn the lines, learn what our characters are doing, and we try to do it as well as we can. And Emma was stuck with, talk about opprobrium, that got so much crap thrown at it, justifiably. It was asinine. And the other one was the Maldavia Massacre, yes. which was a very good idea, very good idea. But when it was all over, next season began, we walked out of there like Noah's Ark. Yeah, no one but died, yeah. Nobody was sacrificed. Nobody was in the hospital. What they should have given, I don't know, wound Alexis and have her at death's door. That would have been sensational. But nobody was even nicked. We were all still ironed and hair and makeup were in great place. We all looked like a million bucks. What is this? That was an awful, awful resolve to a sensational problem. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. What, the um, the alien thing would have worked if uh, Emma went on to the ship and came back as Pamela Sue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, as a matter of fact, that would had they had the sense to actually do with the Dynasty reboot what they did with the Dallas reboot, not very well, but they did it, was to actually have it a continuation. Of course, they went back to the beginning, and they're trying to remake it from the word go, which I think is, I've discussed this before, it's crap, it's an abomination, it is dreadful, it's rude, it's it's dismissive of the... We had millions, I mean, our, our share at one point was 44. Right. That is astonishing. Today, I think their their viewership is slightly over seven hundred thousand dollars, seven hundred thousand viewers an episode. That is tiny. That is minuscule viewership. And somehow they keep going. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I really don't. So Writing you... is awful, awful. Yeah. But when um, we discussed, uh, we discussed the possibility. We've all thought about this for years. You know, what about? Do we coming back to it again as a continuation? Right. And well, I asked Emma when I saw her two years ago, whatever, and she said, Donnie, I don't. No, I wouldn't. I said, well, luckily there are two of you. <laughs> no, Pamela Sue would have been very happy to come back as Fallon with JJ and myself and Jack and Heather if we could get her. Right. Joan would have made a cameo or two. So would Linda. And it would have been a lot of fun. And it would have given the fans of the show who were basically now 10 to 15 years older than you are, um, but there's still a lot of them around. And they would have been fascinated, I think, to see the continuation rather than the crap that they're faced with now. I think it's truly awful. It's awful. It looks cheap, and it's very poorly written and directed. Performances, I can't really say. I didn't care for because we were adults. I don't mean, but I, I mean, the, the three stars of the show, John, Joan, and Linda, were all adults. They all had lives, they had histories, and they were all very sexy, emotionally alive, attractive people. That doesn't obtain in the new one at all, for instance. It's aimed for whatever audience the CW attracts, which is not adults. 
So you're saying you like it? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, no, I'm not, not a fan. No, of course. Yeah, of course Sorry, not. No. Yeah, it, it, Have you seen it? Have you seen it? You know what? I, I, I try to avoid all like reboots and remakes of things because it's usually they're just trash. And this seems like no one in Hollywood has an original idea anymore. You're right. It's so, when JJ, we chatted about some stuff, and he said, Jesus Gordon, because he is, I think he's produced already, he's finished, I'm assuming, a movie with uh, Maxwell Caulfield and okay. Sean Young and Sam Sam Jones. Okay. Um, and he said, there, there's, it's, it's all, it is all trash. There are no new ideas. He was just appalled, because he, like me, um, at his beginning, I mean, I'm much older than JJ, but we began our prime time careers together, basically, and we were very lucky. At the time, there were some very interesting, some very good work being done with, we only had three networks, this is before even Fox was around, and so audiences were vast, and it was, it was a different time. There was... Um, there was, I think, a better understanding of what a show meant, of what it could possibly do. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have the, the head writers we should have had. Um, talk about fucking Lucky Club. Um, we all are, but they were massively founding members. Um, it was just, it's very, very different now. It is all based on numbers, but different kind of numbers. It's your social media numbers and people with an ounce of experience are being cast in scripted shows based entirely on the millions of followers they have on Facebook or Twitter it just makes me nuts yeah and it's also cheaply you know produced you don't have to worry about paying for you know cast or anything like that and that's why they do it I know well I, I was I did a lot of daytime after Dynasty right um Young and the Restless, right? I forget. Yes. I, I, yeah. After yeah, Eric yeah. Britton, that's his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought, fine. Well, at the time, there were 16 soap operas on there, and now mm. there are four. Or there were 20 soap operas, and now there are four. So that was in it. And each show, never mind the casts, the crews, the writers, the producers, the, I mean, each show would involve at least, I would suggest, 250, 300 people out of a job. That's a lot of people out of a job because they were expensive compared to reality TV. Reality TV is comparatively cheap and soap operas are not because they're scripted, they're, they're, they're shot properly, they're edited, they demand a lot of people. And uh, I'm sorry that happened selfishly because I no, of course. love my job and I enjoy doing daytime. Now, yeah, speaking of daytime, when you went to Santa Barbara, what was like the biggest like difference between shooting a daytime soap as opposed to a primetime shoot? Um, the amount of material, really. Um, we shot about three episodes of Dynasty a month. It wasn't an episode a week, but it was about three of them a month. And because uh, each episode took six and a half to seven days pretty well. Um, but with daytime, you do an episode a day. And Mason Capwell 
um, which was, I think Mason was probably the best writing I've ever had to learn in front of a camera. I mean, I've done Ibsen and Joe Orton and Shakespeare and Turgenev on stage, but in front of a camera, this was just the best writing I've come across. And he was also the chattiest, hmm. Charlie, I, I was 35 pages a day, five days a week, 50 weeks of the year, literally. And I it was in my prime, I think, I was... I was 40, what was I, 48, I think, when I began to play Mason, and I was there for three years. Uh, I was in my prime. I was fit, I was coming off a big success, and I was churning, I was really churning up to work and work and work. Well, they stopped <laughs> fine. <laughs> <laughs> they realized that I'm, I'm a, I, it was a quick study, I don't think I could do it today, that's a lot of material. Um, that's 175 pages of dialogue a week. Well, I did it. And I don't know how, but I did it. And they wrote for me knowing I could do it. So they gave him, he was a wonderful, he was a very complicated man. And they gave him very complicated material to present him, to present the character to the audience. And the audience was really enormous fans of the character. Yeah, and that was a little different for you because you came into a role that was already, you know, going on. It was already with two different actors. Yeah. Mason, yes. The first one was, I, I don't know Lane. Lane Davies is his name. Uh, he played Lane Mason for five years. Um, then he went back to, uh, he's played every great Shakespearean role there is. Um, clearly very gifted, really good, and did it and left. And then Terry Lester took over for about two weeks. I think Terry realized very quickly. I knew Terry slightly. Um, and he left after two weeks, and they panicked. And I got a call from John Conboy, who was the then executive producer of the show, with an offer. We met. I said, okay. And I was working a few days later, literally. Um, I think I had, I don't know, I must have had a fitting for the clothes, but uh, boom, I was at work. And I did it for almost three years until the show finally was canceled. And I was very sorry to see it go. We all were. Because it was, I think it, I don't watch much data. I, I never did. Right. I would rather do it. Rather than, I, this applies to everything I've ever done. I didn't watch much Dynasty either. Um, I don't know. I always think, oh God, do it again to get it right. And, uh, so, but you can't, so I, I don't watch. But it was just such a lovely experience, and the audience was smart. They really enjoyed it. The fan mail was smart fan mail. Um, and I think it was probably the best soap opera in terms of quality ever produced. Well, that's, that's pretty, you know, big to say, because there were, you know, a lot of other, you know, soaps and... I know that one was very popular. Uh, you well, when people say soap and sneer, I get very pissed off. But there are a few examples, or there used to be a few examples, when maybe the sort of dismissal was justified. Santa Barbara was certainly nothing like that. Right. 
I had a quick uh, funny story. When I was in college, my uh, girlfriend, who was my wife at the time, huge Days of Our Lives fan, still is. I know you were on there. Uh, my friend who lived next door, big Young and the Restless fan. This was after Santa Barbara was off the air. And right. neither one had a VCR. I was the only one who did. So they both fought to record their their shows, which were on, they overlapped a little bit. So they both decided that they'll get 45 minutes of each show. (laughs) (laughs) Until my wife would stop, you know, my friend's recording and she would get the whole hour. (laughs) You must have been a very popular guy. Yeah, I should have charged, you know, for uh, for the tapes or, you know, using the the time of the VCR. (laughs) Absolutely. You You could have explained it. Yeah, but I... um, I'll admit I was, you know, I would make comments about, you know, soap operas back then. Uh, I watch Days with my wife now, you know. Uh, I'll say, oh, do we have to watch this? And then I'm asking questions, nine, you know, every, you know, five seconds about this, this. And it's very, you know, it draws you in. And it's, it's, it's yeah, and it's a testament to, you know, the, the writers, the actors, the creators of the show, because they have to do so much material. It's very difficult. And the amount of energy it takes is monumental. It really is. So, do you, I, I know you had kind of like a cup of coffee on Days of Our Lives. Do you remember what your storyline was at all? No, I don't. Not a clue. Oh, okay. I, I, you played a, um, a, a, a mortician. You, you owned like a, or a, or a coroner. It was, it was something like that. It was definitely involving death. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think you owned like a, a mortuary or something like that. <laughs> really? Yeah, and you, you, your son had to hide a body or something like that, and but you had no idea about something like that. My 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 wife remembered. I'm intrigued. I'm <laughs> yeah. very intrigued. Yeah. This doesn't ring a bell at all anywhere in my really. Yeah, my my wife remembered it. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, speaking of soap operas, you kind of went from. TV soap operas to ones on the web. Uh, talk a little bit about like the vanity and a Winterthorn a little bit. Yep. Oh no, I, I, that to me was again. I, I I was approached by Michael Caruso, who is who wrote it, produced it, and was in both of them. Um, and Michael is an immensely talented man, and he and his wife Barbie are a great team, and he. Um, asked me, he contacted me um, via his manager, who is now my manager, I'm thrilled to say, uh, and, you know, would I, he's writing something, would I like to play a good guy or a bad guy? And I thought, wow, okay, a bad guy, obviously. It's they're almost by definition more fun, and audiences are more intrigued by them um, as a rule. Because uh, darkness is more intriguing than light. Uh, but uh, we met, we had lunch at um, Arts Deli here in Studio City and um, got along really well. And this Bumba, the vanity happened, and then Winterthorn happened. And, I, and then I was a small part in Ladies of the Lake, which he um, adapted from a novel and uh, directed, no, he didn't direct, I'm sorry, produced with Ken Corday. And um, that was the only difference. And I, Michael finally asked me to stop making or mentioning the difference because people would say, what is, there's no difference. 
because everybody on Michael's set was there because they loved working, and everybody on Dynasty set was there because they loved working crew actors. At least that was my impression at the time. Maybe I'm rose-colored glasses, but you know there are easier ways of making a living or finding a job in any other industry. The entertainment industry is a very, very closed club. It's very hard to break into, especially actors, yes. Do you want to be a makeup artist? Good luck. <laughs> Do you want to be a photographer? Good luck. Do you want to be a cameraman? Good luck. It's a very difficult job to get. It, it really is. So all of us, in my opinion, again, members of the fucking Lucky Club, well, this you're there because you presumably love what you do. Because otherwise, why would you bother doing it? There are easy ways to make their livings. Well, you know, except for actors. Um, because we got better paid than a grip or a makeup man. Right. Um, because we were visible. And But talk about lucky. Well, that the sets were the same. We had a script we had to produce. We had an audience for the script. And we were there because we loved it. The difference was solely money. Michael couldn't afford to pay more than a the sort of a politesse, really, uh, sort of a, a, a pourboire kind of thing. And it was just a kind of gesture. Couldn't pay us much, but he, he gave us what he paid us what he, what he could. He and Barbie paid the bills, for God's sake. Um, so there was no money, but there was enormous goodwill and very talented people involved. And the same thing, but with Aaron Spelling, you had lots of money. We were like, we were very well paid. And we had sets to work on and location stuff. Well, location, Michael did some location stuff on Winterthorn, um, even on uh, The Vanity. Um, he had a friend with a backyard with a pool. We said, sure, go ahead, use it. So we did. Um, but but it, it was just the pleasure of working. I love my job. And I don't know how many people are to this who can say that about what they do. If they work for a living, do they love what they do for a living? And I think that if you are lucky enough to do it and make a living at it and you love it, you are a very, very lucky man or person, woman, child, if you like. I'm a very lucky man that way, very. Yeah, and we, we were very lucky to, you know, watching you all these years, definitely. Of course, of course. Now, Winterthorn, uh, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, it was, you know, nice mixture of, you know, soap and kind of like, you know, supernatural stuff. And yes. even though you didn't have um, any scenes with her, it was kind of nice to have a kind of a dynasty Dallas merger having Linda Gray portray your wife. Yes, I agree. And I'm sorry we didn't get together. I I think I wish Michael had actually somehow finagled it so that we could have. I met Linda for the first time at the premiere of Winterthorn, I think, which was Michael very cleverly staged in a movie theater. Um, and it, she was just heaven on a stick. She really was. She's so pretty. She, her, her publicist is a wonderful man called Jeffrey Lane. Jeffrey was my public relations man for a while in, back in the day. And he handles Linda, Diane Carroll. He handles Joan. He's got a lot of rather wonderful divas in his 
she was then, and so charming and so smart. Just it was just a pleasure to meet her. That's great. Yeah, and um, it's true. She's just lovely. And it's funny because Winterthorn, um, just so, so you. Obviously, for once, or I'd say for once, for one of the few times, you, you didn't play such an evil character, uh, even though you did kill someone with uh, licorice, which I thought was kind of amusing. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that good? That, I like that a lot. Yeah, they, they always say candy's not good for you, and they were right. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I thought it was kind of interesting, because that, it was very well casted, and you had really, you know, familiar soap stars on there as well. You know, and yeah, and even I, I recognized everybody because most of them were from Days of Our Lives. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yep. but, yeah, but I, I'm looking forward now because I haven't watched The Vanity yet, but I'm going to go back and uh, definitely uh, watch that. Well, it's lovely about Winterthorn as well. It was it dealt with. First of all, there were a lot of women in powerful positions, which I think is really terrific. I mean, I, I'm a feminist in the. I think most healthy people are these days, uh, and I'm a fairly healthy guy. Um, it's, it's there was that there was the 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 whole sweet tooth problem um, in this country in this world possibly that people are addicted to sugar and it, just that kind of thing. And it, it, it was very nice to have those themes. They weren't sort of paraded as. This is the theme of the show. It was, but it was there. The feminism and the addiction to sweetness and the, the, that kind of problem. I was very proud of Michael for weaving that into his story. I thought it was terrific. Yeah, definitely. And uh, before I let you go, you've, some of the character names that you've portrayed over the years are probably some of the best ones in entertainment history. I mean, you had Mason Cabwell great name on Winterthorne Maximilian Winterthorne Sheridan Rutledge uh, Sheridan Firestone I'm sorry Parker Rutledge Preston Regis I'm just yes. names from your career just you have one that you, you stands it out stands out that you like I know Adam, Adam Carrington I mean Adam is kind of you know ordinary but Carrington is kind of prestigious but all the other ones had really you know both names kind of like stood out <laughs> well they were, were all sort of very wasp sort of rich. right yeah don't have any money today. I'm not good with it. And I had responsibilities that were not deductible, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I was never trained, ironically, because my father, whom I didn't care for, um, died when I was, I think I was 17. And he was, his family were bankers and accountants. Well, no, Gordon has no skill <laughs> in that area. So no money. Um, I'm retired now. I mean, I've got retirement income, which is very nice. Thank right. you. Anyway, um, what was the point of this? I had a point to make. Please help me know. Oh, oh, just um, the names of your characters and stuff. Oh, yes. Very waspy. Yes, I I played. I played rich men ever since I've been in this country. (laughs) (laughs) I've been white, rich white guys with kind of rich white waspy names. Mason Capwell, you know, Parker Rutledge, the winter, Maximilian Winter, Maximilian Winterthorne could yeah, that's a mouthful. You know, and, and Adam Carrington, Adam Alexander Carrington. Of course. You want to get the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it's very, very grand, resonant names. I mean, it's, 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 sort of, it's almost Russian. It's so grand. Prince Dmitry Raskolnikov kind of thing. You know, it's, it's, it's very nice. It's very nice. Yeah, I mean, it's a long way from the Frog Prince, huh? <laughs> no, it isn't. No, 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 no. I think had 
Robin the Brave survived, he wouldn't have become Adam Carrington, but he might have become Mason Capwell somehow. Right. He has no last name, and his 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 princess was Princess Melora. I remember the the the, um, the king who was a Muppet character. Yeah. Melora, my dear. Right. And she was Trudy Young was the actress's name. So sweet, terrific. And I had to learn these really because she confused her consonants. The first letters of words got reversed. Right, yes. <laughs> and, oh, and just, she had to learn those things. Well, I remember some of her songs, and I'm not going to do them, I promise. Aww. But they were just, they were terrific. You know, nine, nineteen, nine, nineteen, by birthdays, boote, doote, a gig girl, a lemon, a wady, say they. Well, hum, sir, there's one some, there hum, sow must be, oh, one some, who'll dum say, mean thump sing, mooty. Well, you can figure that out. Of course, yeah. Well, she had to learn that stuff. I just knocked out. And she, yeah. a wonderful show. Yeah. Oh, she's heaven. She's heaven. Right, she did a great job. And I just remember that the king at the end was like, I don't know what's going on here, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bake the hall in the candle of her brain. Yeah. <laughs> That was great. But Gordon, I really appreciate a few minutes today. Thank you so much, and best of luck in future Thank endeavors. You. Thank you for indulging me. I just love talking about the good times in my life, and you'd let me do that. And a special thanks to Gordon Thompson for joining us today. Like I said, one of my all-time favorite guests. Be sure to check out some of his past work. You can go to winterthorn.com. Winterthorn's shorts, four episodes, very entertaining. You can go to divanity.com. We talked about the box set of Dynasties on DVD. Individual episodes are on iTunes. Speaking of iTunes, you can go there and rate and review my show. You can follow me on Twitter at the first Noah 19 You can like the page with Living My Youth on Facebook. Special thanks to everyone listening. Can't do without you guys. And be on the lookout for another episode of Living My Youth real soon.